Welcome to this week's episode of Business Wise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian, philosopher, and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. We have been following uh, point by point the 11 points of group sanity from Mr. Ellen Hubbard's landmark article of 14 December 1970, Group Sanity. We're closing in on a wrap on this as we tackle point number nine today out of the 11. And of all the points we've covered so far, you will likely agree with me that this one is obviously crazy. Psycho. But here's a recap. So far, we've discussed uh, number one, hiring. Number two, training. By the way, if you haven't listened to these earlier episodes, they are preceding this episode in sequence, basically. So one, hiring. Two, training. Three, apprenticeships. Four, utilization. Five, production. Six, promotion. Seven, sales. And then eight, which we did last week, delivery. Now, some of these might resonate with you as being areas of psychosis and groups, but some may have also surprised you. But with this one, I don't think anyone is going to be too surprised. And that is the area of finance. Mr. Howard once wrote uh, on the 3rd of December, 1971, he says, economics, by reason of various manipulations, can be made into the most effective trap of the modern slave master. Periodically through history, this is Mr. Howard continuing on this quote, periodically through history, not just in current times, moneyed classes or those believed to control money have been torn to bits shot, stoned, burned, and smashed. The ancient pharaohs of Egypt periodically lost their country through tax abuses. Money, in short, is a passionate subject. End quote. Now, Ron Hubbard. Ain't that the truth? So, in the article Group Sanity, Mr. Hubbard starts out discussing this point by stating, and I quote him here, One's own experience in finance is adequate to demonstrate the difficulties made with money. A third dynamic, remember third dynamic is the dynamic of groups, the urge to survive with and of groups. He says a third dynamic psychosis is the perversion of finance, end quote. So he's saying here, look, haven't you had enough experience with finance being crazy, giving you tremendous stress, giving you headaches, sleepless nights, and so on. Hasn't it done enough of that to sort of give you an orientation that there are difficulties with the subject of money? And have you not seen enough perversion of it? I I, I don't know if anything gets crazier than what people will do with and for money. I've seen crazy schemes, criminal schemes created by people. Otherwise, one would think fairly reasonable people, but uh, nonetheless, theft, embezzlement, abuses, criminal exchange. Uh, I don't know. It's the the whole gamut. It's just a, it's a crazy subject. Let's start with some definitions. This area is so susceptible to insanity. Let's not compound this difficulty by not understanding our terms. So I'm going to put a little bit of attention on this. So starting with the word finance, it is generally defined as that area of a business concerned with maintaining the inflow of money greater than the outflow, and with the management of money. That's a nice, simple definition. That area of a business concerned with maintaining the inflow of money greater than the outflow and with the management of money. So you have a chief financial officer. They're supposed to be 
concerned with maintaining the inflow of money. They're always interested in what's making us money and making sure that the outflow is not greater than the inflow and the general management of money, keeping it recorded, making sure it's banked properly, tracking it, so forth. That's all finance. Mr. Hubbard describes it as, quote, is a matter of making it and thereafter being clever enough in managing it to get something for your money and stay prosperous as an organization. L. Ron Hubbard. Now, it comes from looking up the derivation here. Late Middle English from Old French from fine, make an end. Settle a debt from fin, end. Fin is F-I-N. You see the word la fin at the end of a movie or a French movie or something like that. The end. Fin, end. The original sense was, this is from uh, Oxford, the original sense was payment of a debt, compensation, or ransom. (laughs) How about that? Ransom. Yeah, you got to... Sounds like it was pretty normal and customary. You know, pay your ransom, settle the debt. Uh, later, taxation. I guess that's a ransom after a, after a fashion. Later, it's uh, meaning taxation, revenue. Evidently, this word conceptually means to end something, not to start something. Like these days, particularly in the, uh, I'm probably going to rub the government face into it because they obviously don't apply finance because they're not ending anything. They're just borrowing more and more money and creating more and more debt. So that's uh, continuing a cycle. So they obviously have a misunderstood word on the word finance, which is supposed to mean to end something, keep it all clean. We exchange something, la fin, it's the end. And uh, you settle a debt, la fin, it's over. It's ended. Everybody's uh, friends and it's all done. Okay, you buy something, you borrow some money and pay it back. Uh, you pay a ransom, you know, all right, you took my, uh, my uh, daughter and now I have to pay a ransom. So now I have paid the daughter. That's the end of it. La fin. So uh, anyway, I don't know. It was probably more usual and customary back then for ransoms to be paid maybe. I don't know. Back in the Middle Ages. But anyway, let's go uh, forward with this. Let's take a look at the word money, which is defined as the official currency. These are Mr. Hubbard's definitions. The official currency issued by a government that can be exchanged for material objects Services or benefits. That's from 28 February 75. That's That makes sense. That's pretty much what it is. It's it's the currency issued by a government that can be exchanged for objects and services or some sort of benefit. Number two, money is only something that can be exchanged confidently for goods or services. It is a symbol which represents value in terms of goods or services. This is from an article of 27 November 71. So it can really be anything. It could be seashells. If everyone was confident that if you gave someone some seashells, they would give you a service or a product back because it would have confidence that that could be further exchanged. You follow? So, uh, but it's a symbol. So the seashells are not, they're just a symbol. And so is your dollar bill. And so is the figures on your, uh, uh, your credit card statements and so on. These are all symbols. They're symbolic of something, presumably symbolic of products or services that you have delivered for which you've been exchanged back with money or wampum or uh, seashells or what have you. So it is a symbol which represents value in terms of goods or services. Mr. Hubbard, 27 November 71. comes from Middle English money, 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 which means money, from Latin moneta, which means money, a place for coining money, coin, mint, Listen to this, from the Temple of Juno Moneta 
in Rome, where a mint was. So Juno, the Romans gave their gods different last names, depending on what they were representing. But Juno Moneta, Juno, was the queen of the Roman gods. And as uh, Juno Moneta, she's uh, like an armed protectress. You'll see sculptures of her with a shield and a spear. And she's a protector and special counselor of the state. So evidently money is something you want to protect. At least you had a pretty tough-looking queen of the Roman gods who took care of business over there. So, All right, so now let's take a look at the word economics. Now, this is Mr. Hubbard's definition again. He says, quote, the word originally meant the science or art of managing a house or household, and that is still its first meaning. Then he goes on to say, from this grew up a study of the whole community as a connected activity. Yeah, look, in a way, uh, any community is like a household. You know, there's there is exchange, there's production of things and giving back and forth and managing of it so that uh, it can uh, flourish and prosper. So that was its original meaning. And then uh, definition two here, when one begins to receive and spend money, he gets into a field known as economics. That's from an um, that's from an article, 27 November 1971. And then let's see, this is looks like the last definition here. In modern language, means the social science that studies the production, distribution, and consumption using of commodities things. So it's a science, it's a study of the laws and the principles that are involved in production, distribution, and consumption of stuff, of commodities, of things. And this comes from uh, late 15th century and the sense of uh, management of material resources from French economie or via Latin from Greek. Hmm. There they are, the Greeks at the bottom of it all. Oikonomia, household management based on oikos, which means house, and nemean, manage. There you go. Current census date from the 17th century. So uh, house management, basically. How big is your house? It could be a whole country. It could be a community. It could be a home. Same principles, basically. All right, finally, let's look at the word commodity. Commodity here is literally a kind of thing produced for use or sale, an article of commerce. An object of trade. We cleared up commerce recently. It's the back and forth distribution of uh, merchandise, merc. Co together, merc, merchandise. So commerce, that's what we're in the world of here when we're dealing with money and services and products. So it's an article of commerce, an object of trade, used figuratively to mean anything that one trades or deals in. Hmm, Okay. It's also got another definition, something of use, advantage, or value. So, you know, wheat's obviously a commodity. Gold is a commodity. You usually think of metals. Think of energy. Electricity is a commodity. Water. These are things of use, uh, advantage, or value. And uh, these are commodities. And it says it can be an object of trade. So money could also be a, a commodity because it's an object of trade. And it represents something. It's a symbol of something. It comes from late Middle English, from Old French, commodit, from Latin, commoditas. Those Romans were obviously business people, since a lot of these words go back to, to them. Um, there's an English definition of, commo- it comes from commodus, 
and it says here, see commodious. I don't know if you know what commodious means, but particularly when you're talking about furniture or buildings, it's roomy and comfortable. It's a commodious chair or it's a commodious couch or a commodious apartment. And that's from late Middle English in the sense of uh, beneficial or useful from old French commodieu or medieval Latin commodiosus, based on Latin commodus, convenient. So evidently, if it's convenient, if it makes things more comfortable, if it makes things useful, serviceable, it's a commodity, something that can be of use, advantage, or value. And it's uh, in the world of commerce, it, it, it means any of those objects of trade, something produced for use or sale, a commodity. Okay, so with these terms under our belt, let's tackle this area by going back to the article from Mr. Hubbard, Group Sanity. So he goes on to say here, as Mr. Hubbard, finance too often disregards the other factors in this scale or the other factors in the scale too often disregard finance for organizations to long remain viable. That is so interesting. That is so true because you'll often find that finance people are kind of disconnected from the production and delivery. And, you know, well, I don't know if this is financially makes sense or, you know, the guys out there trying to promote where the guy's out there trying to sell, and sometimes finance seems like they're a little bit too uh, wrapped up with just the subject of finance and they forget the other areas of, uh, you know, hiring, for instance. You know, you know, come approach your finance people, say, look, we want to do a marketing campaign to hire people. Like, what? I never heard of a marketing, you know, go to hell. No, this is, these things are all interrelated. All these points of group sanity are interconnected. The hiring, the training. Hey, we want to train our people. Finance people like, I don't know about that. That's going to cost money. Yeah, that's right. It's going to cost money. You need you need to think with that. Okay, this is the whole subject of finance. So he says, finance too often disregards the other factors in the scale, and the other factors in the scale too often disregard finance for organizations to long remain viable. Well, then you got the guy who's out there who's just blowing money left and right and has no regard for finance. That's the other end of the spectrum. You know, let's do all this promotion, and who cares whether it brings anything in or not, or, you know, I want to buy this fancy machine and... You know, I'm not even thinking about the finance aspects of it, but uh, it's a utilization point, say, and I want to utilize this thing, and maybe they do and maybe they don't. But anyway, both areas, all the areas of the scale need to be tracking with each other, but particularly finance, Mr. Hubbard's pointing it out, uh, it gets separated out from these other points of the group sanity scale. So he says, financing must be in agreement with all the other factors of the scale, and all the other factors must be in agreement with finance for viability to occur. This is Mr. Hubbard again. Because money is interchangeable for commodities, then people can confuse it with too many things. If you regard money like so many beans as a commodity in itself, you open the door to understanding it. So here's a very important concept. He is pointing out that money itself is a commodity. And finance is a subject of dealing with commodities. So listen to what he says here. Money is so many beans in to get so many beans out. When you can master this, you can handle finance. The finance persons of an org, org is short for organization, the finance persons of an org, a civilization, a planet, should put so many beans in and expect more beans out than they put in. This is quite correct as a viewpoint for finance. So if you view money as a commodity, okay, I am going to now distribute money and my intention with distributing that money is to bring in more money. I'm going to distribute so many beans to get 
that many beans back and plus some. Always got to think, a finance person's always got to think with getting more back than what they put out in the way of beans. Okay, otherwise you're not getting anywhere. There's no expansion. So, and this is, he's talking about this for an organization, a civilization, a planet. It certainly would apply to a country. Now, I, I, I warned you, I was going to get on a roll here, but it's like, where is the concept of bean return in current governmental disbursement? I, I don't see it, and neither do you, and neither does anyone, because the debt keeps increasing. So evidently, the, all these vaunted finance people, which, by the way, the, the U.S. government hires more MBAs than any other organization on Earth. Okay, and these MBAs, the large part of their study and training is in the area of finance. You'd think that this very elementary idea that you put out so many beans to get that many beans plus back is not that hard to fathom. That a child running a lemonade stand can surely think with that. But we can't seem to think with that in a government. Okay, I'm done with that now. So he says the difference of beans in and beans out for a planet is made up by adding beans enough to those already in existence to cover new commodity. As he's saying here, on a planetary scale, there should be a greater and greater accumulation of resources, of beans, of of the production of all the constituent parts of that organization or that planet or that civilization. When finance people, he goes on to say this, when finance people fail to do this, beans cease to be in pace with production and inflation and deflation occur. How about that? We went through two years of let's cut back all production. I I thought I was done, but evidently I'm not. So let's cut back all this production, make sure that nobody's producing anything. And now we're surprised about inflation, even though we were throwing money out there left and right, money we didn't earn, money we didn't have, no production in back of that. Those beans, you follow? So beans are being distributed without the concept of beans back. And now we're paying that price with heavy inflation. Anyway, I don't need to spell that out. I'm sure you figure that out. So he says, in an org or any of its parts, industriousness of the staff makes a difference between the beans in and beans out. Hey, you want more beans? Get industrious. That's that's the only way it works. It always boils down to the producer who is actually producing services and products. If that ceases, so does the whole economy. It just goes like that. And finance people should be aware of that so that when they're distributing their beans, they're thinking with who's producing so I can get more beans. Where is the industriousness so I can get more beans back, right? An org has to have income greater than outgo. That is the first rule of finance. Violating it brings bankruptcy. First rule of finance. Income greater than outgo. Like I said, any child with a lemonade stand should be able to figure that out. And they do. Now, if the finance people of an org apply the same rule remorselessly to all its transactions, financial planning, he puts that in parentheses, in other words, financial planning, with each person and part of an org, finance becomes real and manageable. See, I don't care how many parts there are to an organization. Finance people are always thinking, beans out, beans in, beans out, beans in, more beans in than I send out. That's the rule. And they deal with everybody from the receptionist through, the salespeople through, the production personnel, managers, executives, same thing. So he says, so many beans in to support the first division means so many beans out of the org back to finance because of the cooperative work of the first division. Now, any of you know the first division of an org board, organizing board, if you listen to the earlier episodes, you realize, of course, that the first division is involved with establishment and training of, hatting of personnel 
and hiring of personnel and you go, well, where's the bean return on that? Well, it's you got to be clever. You got to know how to measure that because they're not selling, they're not producing the product, but they're vital to the whole cycle of production of that organization to produce its valuable final products. It's not going to go anywhere without a division one. So obviously you have to have beans out to that area, but then from finance, but then you would expect beans back greater than what you invested. You have to learn how to measure this. This is why an organizing board is so essential so that you know which areas of your organization are viable and which ones aren't. So he says a hectic effort to work only with production products will wind finance up in a knot. Look at if all finance is going to interest it. Well, how much product? How many cars can we make? How many cars can we make? How many cars can we make? How many cars can we sell? How many cars can we sell? And no one's putting any interest in human resources, in training of personnel, in uh, the purchasing of uh, uh, of materiel. You're only fo- focused on production, not on these earlier things of marketing and so forth. You're going to have problems. Finance people are going to have problems. It's not going to be real. So he goes on to say, one has to estimate costs, the contribution of each part of an org to the valuable final product to know what to allow what part of an org. So then he says, finance has to have a full reality on the valuable final products and the sub-products and post-products of the whole org to intelligently allocate funds. We covered that. This person, that division, each contributes some part of the action that results in the money received for the valuable final products. So finance can extend so much money for each and expect that and an additional amount back. Always, always, always. The finance people are like, give me some more back. I want more back. Beans are a commodity. Finance is a commodity. I'm going to put that out to you. You bring me back that plus. That's how it works. If this occurs, this is Mr. Hubbard again. If this occurs, so will expansion. Finance comes unstuck when it fails to, quote, cost, end quote, an organization and fails to support valuable final product production. Finance must not only practice income greater than outgo for the org, it must practice it for each part of the org as well. Then solvency becomes real. All this is Mr. Hubbard. Listen to this. He talks about the greatest craziness. The greatest aberration of finance is that it seeks to save things and to solvency. The real losses in an org are the sums never made. These are the most important losses for finance to concentrate upon. All this concern about, you know, these finance people, oh, we got to save money here and we got to save money there. No, think about if they would be more effective as finance people if they're thinking about what's the money that we're not making that we should be making and how can I throw beans in that direction so I can get more beans back. That is the correct perspective for finance. It's a pretty, uh, you know, you think of, finance people as being very conservative. Not nece- It's not necessarily the right, you, you know, you, you might want to be a chance taker really in finance. You got to be thinking with the future. You got to be very clever about your costing. You got to be thinking about potential income not being made as real losses of income. And that takes a bit of a, I don't want to call it a pirate, but uh, at least someone who's got a bit of guts and a bit of foresight and insight. Okay. So then he says, an org that makes 500 pounds a week. This was written, obviously, in England a long time ago. An org that makes 500 pounds a week that should make 5,000 pounds a week and potential is losing the finance people 4,500 pounds a week. Think with that. Finance can force production along certain lines by putting in funds and getting more back. A good finance person can get that place hopping production-wise because they're thinking with so many beans out means so many beans back. 
I'm not getting any beans in from that uh, area of the organization, so they're not getting any beans this week. All of a sudden, that that area of the organization get, decides they better get hopping or they're not going to get any beans, see? So finance knows how to get the place sparked up and productive by intelligently handling the finances of the organization by by applying this concept of understanding all the subproducts and everything that goes into the valuable final product of the organization or group. But listen to this. This is where the liability is. He says, finance becomes too easily the management of an org, but it only does that when it ceases to deal in its own commodity, money. Hey, don't fall for that trap. Don't let your finance people run your organization. They deal with money. That's what they do. They are not the uh, executive director or the CEO. They're the CFO, and they can spark production all right, but don't let them start running the organization because that's, they're out of their league, man. They're, they're supposed to be dealing with the commodity of money. That's where they begin and end, right? Beans out, beans in. An org which has executives unfamiliar with finance will fall at once into the control of the finance people in the org. That's a good one to know. That means that if you're an executive, you better understand finance or you're going to fall under the control of the finance people in the org. I'll repeat that. An org which has executives unfamiliar with finance will fall at once into the control of the finance people in the org. And these finance people, if they don't really know money, will fall at once under the control of outside finance people. Who's controlling our company? Uh, the IRS is because we owe them so much money. They're really controlling it. Or, you know, our suppliers, because we owe them so much money, they're making all these demands. Or, you know, uh, our our uh, customers, because we sold all the service and never delivered and spent all the money without thinking about getting bean returns. So now they're clamoring at the door. So they're running the organization now, outside finance people, because the internal finance people don't understand these concepts. All right. And then in the final sentence in this section... We'll leave this point now. One has to know finance in any organization, anywhere, even in a socialism. Sooner or later, the books get balanced in any society. L. Ron Hubbard. You get that? The ultimate short-sightedness is criminal exchange, criminal activity, you know, not controlling finance like, we can get away with this, we can get away with this. No, you can't. Sooner or later, the books get balanced by the physical universe, by another entity. Sooner or later, those books get balanced. And uh, know your laws. Know your laws of finance and economics and understand your terms. Know what money really is. And uh, you'll have a much, much, much happier time than uh, it won't be so crazy for you. Much happier time in building and expanding your company. If you understand these laws, they're very simple laws. And if you apply them, uh, you don't go through all those financial stresses. Most of that is coming from uh, misunderstandings of the subject. There's a lot of false information out there. It's also uh, an area of psychosis, as Mr. Hubbard covers here. So you want to be on the alert for craziness in finance, misunderstandings in finance leading to irregularities in finance and difficulties for your group or your organization or your civilization in this uh, current scene. All right. That's it for this week's episode. Uh, it's a bit longer than uh, probably our average length of episode, but it's a pretty intense, passionate subject, as Mr. Hubbard says. So I wanted to make sure we covered it thoroughly and uh, didn't leave anybody in the dust. Hope you got a lot out of it. And uh, if you did, give us a like, write us a comment, write us at info at wiseeast2s.org, but give us a communication back. We certainly enjoy them and uh, keeps us going. Okay. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.